So we're sitting here with uh, <clears throat> Laura Freeman. Uh, you may remember the name. We, uh, Laura Freeman, Laura's Lean uh, Beef. That was back in the old days when we thought that lean was the best way to have beef. Uh, <clears throat> and as Laura brought up earlier today, think times have changed, perceptions have changed. <clears throat> uh, we recorded earlier a, uh, a video on what Laura's doing now. It's CBD. There's a lot of interest in CBD for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, in the, uh, the YouTube live video, we didn't cover an issue that's very interesting to Laura, and that has to do with cognition. She talked a little bit about why that was an issue um, <clears throat> early on, but you want to just clarify a little bit more for us what, what specifically drives the issue about uh, cognition, uh, your interest? For me. Um, <clears throat> uh, again, I at one point was a very good horseback rider, and I had a big horseback smash-up. Uh, where I uh, hit my cerebellum, so right, right by my spinal column, and uh, besides escaping being quadriplegic, I did have a traumatic brain injury, and uh, so obviously that puts well, it's obvious, it should be obvious, it puts me more at risk for uh, cognitive decline. And let's face it, I'm a smarty pants, and uh, <laughs> so um, uh, cognitive decline is my worst fear. Period, and so after this, um, uh, you know, I had resources to pursue um, um, the whole, the whole extended subject matter. Um, go from going to uh, uh, Don Yoga up in Cambridge to uh, um, shamans in South America to um, uh, Esland to learn to train my brain waves, and I really got into the thing. And, um, yeah, I was uh, pretty out there at some points, but there were some things that did seem to work. And it looked to me like CBD probably did. And uh, so um, I'm not really sure why it's neuroprotected. I want to ask you that. Um, mm -hmm. But once I saw the NH pen, I mean, I started growing mm -hmm. it, and I started drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually taking it now, too, after doing research in that yeah. area. Uh, again, I don't think anybody knows why it's neuroprotective like it is. There are, there's a lot of evidence around. It's an antioxidant, uh, a neurologic antioxidant. It impacts the uh, neurotransmitters. Uh, both of those are very, very well documented. Now, <clears throat> are either one of those driving it? Is it a mixture of the two? It's not very clear. Well, let's but, simplify. I mean, <clears throat> the first thing is it passes the blood-brain barrier. Yes. Okay, no so question. even describe that and what does and what doesn't, and then and then take it from there, because I, I can't really even visualize it. So a lot of things don't pass the blood-brain barrier, and um, it, it, that whole point helps me. I'm focusing on, on another type of supplement right now that actually has an impact on your eyes. The reason I'm bringing that up is the eyes are also behind the blood-brain barrier. So when people are looking at supplements that may help the retina and the eye, they're really thinking, okay. this is what the universal thing is. And if you talk to any of our patients, and, and we agree with the same thing, so yes, we it, don't. It's the optic nerve. Okay. It's the optic yeah, nerve. Yeah. It's the optic nerve, okay. and therefore it's behind that blood-brain yeah. barrier. Um, <clears throat> we, most of us feel the same way. Yes, we talk about heart attack and stroke prevention, 
But what really scares us is losing our brains, losing our ability to think, our ability to function. What we want to do is what we call rectangularizing our lifespan. Have you heard that term? No, but I assume it's that, that uh, uh, you're good and then you just collapse. Correct. Yeah. You, you, you make it to 90 and then you no, just cut off immediately. Yeah. yeah, you know, you die in Iraq, you die from a, a, a quick-acting cancer or something yeah. else. Uh, but you don't want to just continue to suffer decline. And, and most of our patients come in wanting a better, wanting good quality of life through their lifespan. Because yeah. I think the thinking has changed. It used to be, can I live longer when the lifespan was shorter? But now it's how can how am I going to live? Yeah. Am I going to have good quality? And really, foremost is cognitive decline. Sure, and, and you know, I mean, look about genetics. I most likely will live to well in my nineties. In fact, my financial well. planners got it down in ninety six. <laughs> Our, ours does as well, yeah. and that's our plan. That's my expectation. Yeah. People talk about it, but they think that's kind of weird. I mean, I'll see fifty and sixty and seventy year olds that have lost thirty or forty or ninety five pounds, like the fellow that I saw last week. And my first response is, "You've probably saved yourself a couple of decades." And people still don't get it that they're going to live till their nineties, assuming you do the proper stuff for your health. Now. The 80s is the decade that you start running risk for cognitive decline. And maybe we could get back to your question just a minute. When you, when you look at that patent, <clears throat> as we mentioned, one of the three guys that was behind that patent, all NIH employees, one of them was a past um, Nobel Prize winner. Yeah. And what they were de documenting, heck, I know from conversations, you know this, this part as well as I do. Uh, I'll give you my view and you can maybe correct me some. But what they looked at was impact on nerves. And it wasn't just um, slow decline of nerve. It wasn't just traumatic. It wasn't just, anti it wasn't just inflammatory damage to nerves. It was any and all three of those types of damage to those nerves. And what they found was that combinations of CBD oil actually put those nerves almost in a, in a freeze position or something where it stopped that damage to those nerves. Now, what I never found was exactly what's doing it. Is it the anti-inflammatory impact? Is it the uh, a neurotransmitter impact? Is it a combination or is it something else entirely that's, that's coming in from left field? Well, I know you've studied this because I know you, a little bit about your background and I know that that was a material to you in making decision and going into this. Are there pieces of this that you know about that, um, or that you're thinking of that I'm not mentioning? Not really. I mean, uh, you know, I kind of think of it that CBD acts with two pathways in your brain. One is uh, inflammatory, and one is somehow neurological. But beyond that, I don't know. And that's what why well, I was so glad you were here today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you're the only person that doesn't know. I just don't think it's known yet. I mean, I think you continue to look through there, and I think that's one of the yeah. unanswered questions. But there's no question about whether or not it has that impact. It clearly does. Okay. Well, uh, let's keep keep drinking CBD then. <laughs> <laughs> so, any thoughts? About cognitive, well, the CBD effect, again, I know as much as you do about the research. Um, but we are working on this in our own <clears throat> 
uh, business, we've used the Bredesen approach. He wrote the book, The End of Alzheimer's. Um, we have done a full-blown Bredesen assessment in the past, and now, really, we're almost there with what we do with inflammation. Um, we just have to add the MRI back in. The, there's a big focus in his project on mold and metals as well. But one of the things that I do as a health coach in our business is the MOCA, which is Montreal Cognitive Assessment, which is better than the Mini Mental, which is used has been used for a long time. It has better reliability, better validity. You know, it's been tested. And it basically, it's 30 questions. You have to be an assessor, but that's, you know, something <clears throat> that you can learn to do if you want to be an assessor. It's made the news, as we mentioned earlier, um, when our president had the MOCA. Um, but it also... Sorry about the fly. <laughs> I know, I'm swatting. Swarma, we got fly. But it basically, it gives you a numerical um, range, or it gives you a number, and you fall into a range of mild, moderate, or severe decline. So if it's severe, of course, that points you towards a full-blown Alzheimer's assessment. If it's mild, then you definitely want to start engaging in activities. And we've discussed this previously, you know, word searches probably won't be <clears throat> enough. There are some online things like Lumosity and Brain HQ. But I'm a real big proponent of the brain-body approach, which is more centered on dual tasking, doing something motorically as well as cognitively. Motorically. Can you explain that? Define that? Well, locomotion. Locomotor movements. Okay. Upper or lower body while you're doing a cognitive task. So you're really challenging yourself. You're doing two... And most of us will say, like, I'm multitasking. You know, that's mm -hmm. a slogan. But you, you are making a... Um, you're you're making you're making that part of your daily activity some kind of dual tasking so it might just not be like i'm juggling the phone while i'm working on the computer you know but it's a motor task and large muscle groups like yeah and a cognitive can task. you describe the program you were just in well i participated in a program um drumming for parkinson's well it's drums alive <coughs> and drums it's alive. out of germany um and i was just in hawaii where i learned it from the person that began it, Carrie Elkins. And the you're so you're drumming on a therapy ball, but then you're doing large muscle large motor movements with your lower body. And we are interested in doing some research on that with people with Parkinson's. And another big part of that is the cognitive component. A couple of plugs and clarifications. One is uh, you say you can learn to do to do the MOCA test. There's not a lot. How many other people do you know that, that are certified, trained and certified to do the MOCA tests? Yeah, I, I don't know anybody, quite frankly. I mean, I'm sure in clinical settings they do. You know, I would think Sanders Brown, you know, yeah. at UK yeah. would have MOCA assessors. Yeah. And just to uh, plug and describe for, the, for our practice and what we do, we actually do have a cognitive decline uh, program. We were deeper into it for a couple of years. We had to back off as I did some of my other work with uh, the Medicare Advantage population. But Janice got training and is the only person that I know that can actually administer, certified to do administer a MOCA uh, cognition test. Um, it looks at short-term memory, executive function, orientation, clock drawing, 
uh, attention, language, abstraction, animal naming, a bunch of different things. I didn't fail it, but I didn't do it, uh, do it perfectly. You like, weren't as good as Trump. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't as good as the president. <laughs> and uh, you guys might not want to say it, but I tend to be more conservative and Republican in some of my... I, I'm, I'm a libertarian. Anyhow, bottom line, <laughs> I, I'm, I suspect his score on that, too. <laughs> anyway, we... Um, we have, uh, we're getting back into doing a lot more of the cognitive decline work. One of the reasons that we got out of it was that, as we mentioned, Bredesen goes so deep into a lot of things like um, mold and fungus uh, allergy components. And those are real, uh, but they are incredibly time-consuming in, uh, in terms of working with patients. And uh, we need other folks that, that can do that part with us and for us. And actually, we're this past uh, couple of weeks, I hooked up with a with an old friend who does a lot of this. So we'll be getting back into that. But it seems like worrying about mold when people weigh three hundred pounds is doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, first thing to do is not weigh three hundred pounds. Thank you very much. That that is my focus. Um, my the the major component of what I do is to work with people on vascular inflammation and. Bottom line, and we've talked about exercise and its impact on, um, on cognitive decline. We've talked about caffeine, and we'll, we'll talk about other things as well. Hands down, vascular inflammation is a big, big deal for this area. And one of the questions we have is, well, what, what's the mechanism for exercise? If you look at all of these things... Um, the strongest association for prevention is exercise. And I suspect that that has to do, again, with vascular inflammation. And specifically, high-intensity <clears throat> interval training. Yeah, right. Which the School of Thought has changed on that, where the American mm -hmm. College of Sports Medicine, you only need to get a 30-second um, <clears throat> interval. You know, if you go into the YMCA or some gym, you get on that program machine like a treadmill. You're going to have a four-minute warm-up. Then you're going to, you know, get to a higher state. But then your interval is going to be four minutes. So I always tell our patients to self-program, you know, do maybe six or eight bouts of 30-second high intensity, which you can do by increasing the speed or the incline. Okay, explain to me one more time. Why? Because what I do is I go into the gym and I take my heart rate up to 160 for 10 minutes. That's my program. Doing what? Uh, riding a bike. Okay. And then I hike out, out, out here every day. But okay. I never miss through times at the gym 160. Um, and so I've, I followed this that you can do shorter bursts of high interval, but I just have a squish. I mean, I've been doing so long. For a lot of people who, you know, are not exercise enthusiasts, that long, you know, that longer interval prohibits them from initiating. And of course, anything you do for well-being, for lifestyle, motivation is key, and you have to take the first step towards it. And so those shorter intervals, like we have people that basically are in a hotel all week, and they get in so late they can't get in on the hotel treadmill. And this is... The nice thing about these 30 seconds, you can do it by yourself in your hotel room okay. with your body as the resistance, you know, your own weight, 
a chair in the wall. And so that, that is one benefit of the 32nd. But they have done research that shows it has been just as beneficial as the longer interviews. Now that's a key thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually yeah. a, an area where I have passion. There, there's a, um, you know, Mayo Clinic? Sure. The one in Minnesota. There is a physician there who's done some very interesting work in this area. You've heard of mitochondria. You know, they're the sure. powerhouse yeah. of the cell. And there's, uh, up until... The information theory, the mitochondrial theory, was the major theory behind aging. And we'll get into those, but there's a lot of people that and know again, what I'm talking about. And again, no, wait, about. we have our telomeres that shorten and all that stuff. <laughs> there's too. telomeres, okay. there's a bunch of other, there's uh, what we burn in terms of fuel. There's there's about eight different components. Okay. Um, I just did a 10-part series on lifespan. This is the new book by um, David Sinclair. Okay, see, I don't know any of this, but... Okay. Lifespan, you'll... You'll love it, um, and we're we're publishing one of the, one of my series each each time. Okay. Um, <clears throat> where was I? We we're talking about the intervals in mitochondria. Oh, yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. the mitochondria. This. Yeah. So here's what they did. They took a group of twenty somethings, thirty somethings, a group of fifty somethings, forty and fifty somethings, and a group of seventy and eighty something year old folks. They took them out, they, they randomized them to three different types of exercise. Long, slow distance, you okay. know, the aerobics that you've mentioned a couple of times. Resistance training and high intensity intervals. <clears throat> what they found, and after they did this, they did what's it's called a crossover design. So you take some of the 80 year olds and you have them do the uh, HIIT first, and then you have them do the uh, other stuff later after you've So you measured. feel like it was well, well designed. Very well yeah. designed. And here's what they found. The HIIT, what, the high-intensity intervals, was the absolute best at uh, stimulating more mitochondria growing in okay. the muscles. And guess who had the most growth? The 80-year-olds. I was hoping it was 80. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, we're all hoping that yeah. because there is a lot of hope. And it gets back to an old coffee table book that I used to have called Getting Old is Not for Sissies. It was a book. You may have seen it. A lot of people have. And it's about 60-year-old uh, ladies that got into powerlifting and things like that. You know, older people that, sw that swim the, the English Channel. The point is exercise is incredibly beneficial and not just for 20-something and 30-something. It's very beneficial as we get older. Now, uh, <clears throat> you go back and you talk about this cognition thing and the fact that exercise is the one that is also linked to, to improvement of or to prevention of cognitive decline. Let's put that aside and let me finish the, the research for a second. HIIT was the one that caused the most uh, improvement. The second most was resistance training. Uh, the long, slow distance was the third, and a distant third in terms of improving mitochondria. So if mitochondria are important to aging, and if they're important to, like, cognition, for example, then I think that piece of research is very, very telling for us. And you're not going to see it very often because how many people are going to agree to let a surgeon come in and take a piece of their muscle and actually analyze it after having done those those exercises. So <clears throat> that, and as well as several other things, are showing that we used to think long, slow distance aerobic was the thing. 
now we're beginning to find that resistance training and uh, interval training are very, very important. And there's well, hard science. You know, I, I read, uh, I think, <coughs> press reports about that study, and my interpretation was that long, slow distance was not aerobic. It was just kind of slaughtering and walking. Oh, so you're yeah. familiar with that. I am, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's more of an you, endurance. Well, you could make training, a case for that. I mean, I've run marathons before. And the and I've done it with a lot of other folks. And what you do is you you condition those muscles that you do use, but you don't really you do it for three or four hours, but you don't really tax those muscles significantly on an acute acute phase. Okay, so the key is acute. <clears throat> well. Yeah. I, I I think there's more than just aerobics. Okay. I think to me, my my point is. It's not that aerobics is no good. In fact, I, I think that all of these types are very helpful. I think that there's other mechanisms that they do for improving us, and one of them is sleep. Okay. Another one has to do with insulin and insulin resistance. When you exercise, you're, you know, we talked about the, um, the muscle cells and the insulin receptor. Sure. So <clears throat> there's a way to bypass bad insulin receptors, and that's exercise. In fact, if you do like a what, uh, continuous glucose monitoring, have you ever done that? I have not. Okay. But I just got the machine, I think. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, yeah, we yeah. just gave you one. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how to put it on, but I've got one now. So one of the interesting... There's a video that, on that. We've <laughs> okay. we, we got a lot of them on that. And um, some people get frustrated because they expect that little piece of machinery, the little button on your arm, to be as good as Quest. Actually, sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. You have to sometimes figure it out and make sure you didn't get a bad button. <clears throat> but people begin to realize that, look, I took a car vacation. My kids wanted to go out and get pizza and beer, and I had some of that. And I know my blood sugar is going up to like 160, 170, 180. Normally, it would stay there for a couple of hours as it slowly came down. All you have to do is take a walk, just a very really? simple, slow walk, and it just takes the top right off of We've that. We've taken our own data on Ford. <coughs> so what, just for, um, to clarify, we're talking about the Freestyle Libre, which is a sensor that goes into the arm. Mm. Um, there's also the finger sticks, which everybody's aware of. But this gives a continuous readout through a reader. Mm. And so that is... We talk about in our practice eating to the glucometer and exercising to the glucometer. So you're taking your own personalized data. And this is why we stay away from fat diets. We want to know what your body does. And I've had time and time again people prove some interesting facts about what they're eating. Uh, you know, they've compared fruits, for instance, and we know pineapple has more sugar. And they've had a pineapple smoothie versus a mixed berry smoothie and took data through their finger stick or sensor and have shown they metabolized it just the same. Now, who would have guessed that? But that personalized data showed that. And so then we did take Ford's data after he ate a little too much at dinner when we went out. And um, do you mind me sharing? Like, No, no, go ahead. <laughs> He was like 148, and he said, let's go take a walk. And dramatically, after that, just a 20-minute, one-mile walk, no hills, 
he dropped down into the 70s. And I'm like, this can't be right. But then he slipped back up closer to 100. And then he wanted to go take another walk. And so it's interesting with that personalized data, how you can begin to see your patterns and, you know, what foods cause your blood sugar to rise and how exercise impacts it. The, um, I've had a couple of people that do this kind of work with, with us. Doug Thompson, for example, is a dentist that uh, is very focused in this area. And he's always been frustrated that the Libre is not perfect. I talked with him again last night and he was saying, yep, yeah, you know, I'm really beginning to see the patterns here. And the patterns are what's important. That's what's important. Yeah, because if you compare the finger stick to the Libre, they say the finger stick is the engine. You know, it's it's going to report higher sooner, and the Libre is the caboose. It yeah. comes a little bit later, the increase. But that's not really what's important. It is the pattern. It's, it's the pattern. Knowing, knowing the things like, like you just showed some surprise mm -hmm. that just a simple, easy walk can just bring you right back down yeah. into more healthy blood sugar levels. I was surprised at that. Most people are. And that makes a, a comment again. I'm curious about your interpretation of that study that, that you mentioned that you read. Um, <clears throat> you're, you remember, you, me you mentioned that a minute ago. What, why oh, don't you sure. give me? Um, well, no, I mean, uh, uh, when I read the study, it was like, uh, I assumed that long and slow was, you know, maybe breaststroke or, you know, I could hike back to the Hornback. It's three miles, but, but I don't really push it. You know, you don't get your respiration up. You don't get your heart rate up. And so my thing has always been to get the heart rate up. And I think that is very important. I think getting your heart rate up is critical to, you know, it's hormesis. Have you heard the term? Are you familiar with it? I'm not. So hormesis is almost, it's like a, it's a longevity term. It's used a lot in longevity. It's talking about stressing the body, but it's eustress as opposed to distress, you know, where... You're wanting to stress something like your heart, like your vascular system, like the mitochondria in your muscles to where they're having to push a little bit. Sure. I mean, you got to make everything work. We all know that. That's exactly Including right. Including everybody that works for you. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> everybody works. That's right. That's interesting given your background, your perspective on that. You, you never would have been very successful like you've been had you not had some of that perspective. Without a doubt. Yeah. Got it. Got to go to boardroom today. So okay, we got that one. Um, so I don't know. Is there something else we want to talk uh, about on longevity? Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, we can if we find cancer? something else. Well, I want to do cancer. Was my last okay. one? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do cancer. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at prevmedhealth.com. To learn more, watch our videos on YouTube at Ford Brewer MD MPH. Thank you very much for your interest.